0: Good morning and good coffee, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I'm glad that you are here joining with me today for another good cup of something hot going down. (laughs) Mm. I'm not having coffee today. Um, I just rediscovered a little box unopened of raspberry green tea that we had gotten at the Beachy's store up in Arthur, Illinois. If you live anywhere nearby, you probably know of Beechies and have been there and just, you know, you love the place. Uh, if you haven't, you need to go find it. It's a really neat Amish store way out in the country where you can, well not way out in the country, it's about two miles out, three miles out from Arthur, but you can find anything and everything you want in bulk. <laughs> So they mix a lot of their own things and and this is a great tea. I had not tried this before, and it is really good it's again, it's a raspberry green tea so I'm gonna have another sip uh and uh uh get my throat going for the day. Ah <clears throat> uh, I seen. It's uh what time is it? it's a little bit after 530 in the morning I've been watching some lightning out the window We had uh, storms last night actually uh, Dawn and I we drove home uh, from an evening in Effingham and uh, had a big downpour the kind that I do not like to drive in but that was the case and we got into the house and we waited for it to mostly pass before we went out and took care of animals last night. And, That's always fun in the rain. (laughs) Oh, well, today we are going to continue on with uh, Neil Clark Warren's book, The Triumphant Marriage. And we are on secret number eight. And so on this particular episode, if you have young ears that are listening in the background, you may want to chase them out of the room. Or if you're in the car, you may want to throw them out the car. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Because we're going to be talking about uh, secret number eight, which is negotiate a mutually satisfying sexual relationship. A great sex life builds intimacy in marriage. So, uh, if you need to pause, go ahead and pause. If you need to, like I said, throw kids out of the car, I guess you could do that. that. This is... It's, it's kind of interesting as I was kind of looking over this chapter again and thinking about it. Well, he actually, he talks about a survey that was done it was published in 1994 and it was a very comprehensive sex survey that was done. A uh, team of researchers from the university of Chicago, uh, they, um, uh, they had 3,342 people respond to this survey. So I'm guessing it's one of those paper and pencil surveys. They probably sent out tens of thousands of, of, uh, surveys and, and they got back a, a, a fair number. Um, I don't know. I I would have a hard time believing they actually in person interviewed this many people, but that could be the case. It doesn't say exactly how the survey was done. But this is 1994. So that is uh, almost 30 years ago. And a lot of things have changed in our society, in our culture. But here's the interesting thing. People... Uh, and the needs of people uh, probably haven't changed. It's just how do people in a society, and frankly one that is going through a lot of morality changes, try to address the different needs that they have. But I think for couples that want to have a strong, healthy uh, marital, uh, relationship, uh, that I think the different things he talks about, even though, you know, the book is, you know, nearly 30 years old. Uh, I think a lot of this stuff still very much applies. Some of the things, um, that, uh, that struck, uh, Neil as he was going through this particular, um, uh, research project was that uh, it found that this study found that monogamous couples are significantly happier in their sexual relationships. And I agree. I believe that is still accurate and true. Um, There's a lot of people that, uh, at least the loud ones in society, and and also what um, the media of society portrays is that lots and lots of people are just jumping and jumping and jumping from bed to bed to bed. Um, But couples that are committed to each other uh, are significantly happier in their sexual relationships. Uh, And that makes sense because it's more than just an action. For the people who are jumping and jumping and jumping, it's just an action. Uh, it's not something that is enhancing and and adding to the fulfillment of a successful you know marital relationship. Um, let's see, let's see. Back then, uh, there was a strong consensus that extramarital sex was wrong. Ninety-four percent of all married people in the survey had only one sexual partner their spouse in the past year. And I would say, I think that's probably still true. Uh, just from, you know, conversations I've had in recent years, you know, in uh, therapy sessions with people. <clears throat> A satisfying sex life is not totally dependent upon having an orgasm. While only twenty nine percent of women report always having an orgasm during sex, compared to seventy-five percent of men, the percentage of women and men who find their sex life extremely physically and emotionally satisfying is about the same. Forty percent. So it's you know it's kind of like um, you hear it's more about the journey, not the destination and that i think is is probably uh an you know an important focus point that sometimes people lose track of and that it can deteriorate uh the relationship you know there was a book came out i don't know how many years ago and i i never read it but i love the title i love the titles of certain books and i know the general basics of the book but it was it was titled sex begins in the kitchen and it's not necessarily you know with a focus of where are all the uh, the different um, interesting places that uh sex could take place but it's talking about the idea that it's about a relationship and how much time do couples spend together in the kitchen type setting and that's where relationship and playfulness and laughter and joy often takes place, you know, where you're at. Uh, let's see. Just jumping to a, a few things, a couple of other things before we get into another part of this. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the things that can have a, an impact, and we'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes, Is uh in this survey it said 12% of men in the survey and 17% of the women reported having been sexually touched by somebody older when they were 12 years old or younger. These persons also reported higher levels of sexual dysfunction and general unhappiness. And that is I'm I'm surprised the numbers are that low. there are a lot of folks that have been through, uh, some sort of sexual molestation, some sort of sexual abuse as children. And what happens is that it changes the, it changes the person's view of, of the, the sexual actions. It changes the person's view of emotional intimacy, it changes the person's view of a lot of different things um, when that kind of of circumstance takes place. You know, I've worked with people on both sides of the fence there. I've worked with people who survived some sort of sexual abuse as a child, and I have worked with people who have been the perpetrators doing that kind of sexual abuse, um, and I think those who are who perpetrate it kind of fall into two groups. One is um, they don't care about the other person; they're just, you know, doing whatever they're doing, and there's there's no caring. And then you have other people where it may be in the family or you know, in, the, in uh, a neighbor or somebody where there's actually a caring relationship and boundaries that are there for a reason are tossed to the side and the inappropriate, damaging things can happen. And, it, and again, it, it really has the potential of doing a lot of change on this very important thing that should be sacred in a marital relationship. So as I look at the clock and see time is kind of passing, here are, here are some things that, uh, that uh, Neil calls 10 crucial factors for a great sex life. And I'm just going to run through these 10 without doing a whole lot of reading and just make some, a quick little comment on each. He says the most vital factor in producing a great sexual relationship in marriage Revolves around the role of the men. And he's doing some quoting here from a couple uh, in the Christian counseling realm who have done a lot of work, a lot of publishing, a lot of speaking, a lot of teaching on uh, having a mutually satisfying sexual relationship. And this, this couple uh, is they are Cliff and Joyce Penner. And uh, they, uh, they are very well respected in the christian counseling community i have seen them several times at conferences that i go to uh, they they've written a lot of different books and you know the uh he he references them quite a bit so if you're looking for a good book look up some of the stuff uh, that's available from the Penners. they're getting up there in years now um, I was look, I was actually looking on Google just to see how old they were, and I did see a picture that that confirms that time keeps marching on. Uh, but it's uh, uh, there's they've got a lot of good stuff. So anyway, going back to this particular one, um, the most vital factor in producing a great sexual relationship revolves around the role of the man, and. You know, typically men have more drive than women, but that drive needs to be appropriately harnessed. And that drive needs to also uh, keep a focus on the idea of a mutually satisfying relationship, sexual relationship. Number two, the man must move in the direction of the woman's needs. He needs to become acutely aware Of as many of her spiritual and emotional needs as he can. See what it's it's again, a mutually satisfying relationship is not about the outcome, it's about the journey that's taking place. And part of that journey is a deeper, intimate role, you know, in relationship with your spouse. You know, the um there was a thought that came into my mind, and now it's gone again. So I'll I'll skip it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Number three, the woman needs to learn how to take. She needs to listen carefully to her body, then seek what will satisfy her desires. And, and you know, when you have intimacy, uh, physical, emotional, spiritual intimacy, many different levels, you can, you know, you you're moving to enhance all of those with the the sexual experience. You know, here's what that thing was that popped out of my head as soon as I thought of it, was um, sexual relations is like superglue. It'll do a really wonderful job when it's done right, but like superglue, it'll stick your fingers together and it'll be a biggest problem you have if it's not used and done right. Uh, number four, the woman must feel free to lead. In the sexual experience um, you know taking taking the lead uh, proceeding at her speed uh, letting your man know the, the her thoughts and desires at all times uh, allowing the man allowing her husband to respond to her number five the man must progress very slowly uh, again going back to the the previous Uh, one where allowing the the wife to lead in the in the sexual experience here you know the man uh, is continuing to allow her to take the lead number six the man needs to remain flexible without a set agenda of how things are supposed to be yeah it's it's the experience it's the experience and the experience can go differently at different times and it can change over time as our you know as our physical bodies change over time um number 7 both husband and wife need to be into the sexual process for the pleasure of it and not the result of it um and so here again it's the goal of sex is to build intimacy with your spouse and my favorite way of define, de, uh, defining the word intimacy is into me see intimacy into me see. I'm comfortable enough with myself, and I'm allowing and I trust you enough that I'm allowing you in to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm I'm taking off the the mask. I'm taking off the the things that separate me from other people because of insecurities and stuff. And that level of intimacy is the kind that couples need to have. And when couples don't have good intimacy in other key areas of life, uh, then it's going to have an impact on the sexual relationship. Uh, Let's see. Number eight, if one of the partners is the victim of sexual abuse during childhood... And I'm going to toss out adulthood as well. There must be healing from the trauma. And there's a key word in there. There must be. Um, These kinds of things can linger and last and damage for decades and decades and decades, even a lifetime. If If they're not dealt with, you know in, in a successful, healthy way for the person. So, you know, if this is something that is there, don't just automatically assume, oh no, everything's fine. You know, this isn't bothering me because what it may be doing is it's limiting the, the positive relationship that, that can be in uh, a married couple's sexual experiences. Number nine, mutual satisfaction is the expectation in every sexual experience. The, you know, it's, it's allowing both partners to be able to, you know, pursue what they're wanting, but again, allowing, uh, the wife to take the lead. And number 10, it is vital that both partners know how the body works sexually. Uh, there is... There is a lot of ignorance, um, lack of knowledge, lack of understanding that a lot of couples have. And I think that a lot of it simply is from uh, what the, the media says, the, uh, what we see in movies, what we see in television. It's not an accurate portrayal. It simply isn't. And if that is what the education is or, you know, the involvement in pornography, uh, if that is what the education is, if that's what the expectations are, they're not accurate. It's not accurate at all. So, you know, we need to understand, you know, the biology and we need to understand it from a healthy perspective, not something that is distorted. So what are some... um, uh, let me see. Where was the, the last section he was talking about? And then we'll wrap up. Um, here we go. If you want to improve this area in your life, he's got a five-step plan. Everything is a five-step plan, right? <laughs> um, what he says is marriages in North, North America could be enormously enhanced if couples could experience a 10% gain in the mutual satisfaction level of their sexual relationship. I'm totally confident that any couple who reads this book can experience a 10% improvement uh, over the next six months. So here's the things that he identifies. Number one, you both must be willing to try. Yeah, this is a, this is a partnership. And so both parties need to agree to try. It's not something where, okay, one can try and the other doesn't. No, this is, you know, it's kind of like a rowboat. If you're sitting in a rowboat and both of you are in the middle seat and one has the left oar and one has the right oar, if you are not working together, all you're going to do is spin in a circle and be frustrated. So you both must be willing to try. Number two, buy a good book on marital sex. And I would recommend, you know, from a a healthy Christian perspective because there's a lot of crap out there. There is a lot of crap being published. Uh, Find a book by the Penners. Do some some research on others that have good reviews from a a Christian perspective. Uh, There's, I mean, I have just been shocked at, over the years, some of the stuff that uh, I have come across... As oh, this is a really good book. And it's like, no, (laughs) no, it's not. Um, So, and and what he recommends, and I think it's a really good tool, is, um, you know, a couple, three times a week, read a chapter or part of a chapter out loud together so you can talk about it and discuss it. Not trying to read the whole book at once or too many chapters at once, but read a section and when it comes to a natural kind of break or a pause, stop, talk about it, see how you can apply it into your own life. <clears throat> um, one, the book that, uh, that he recommends from the penners is Restoring the Pleasure. I'm, not, I'm sure it's out of print, but you know, hey, we live in a world of Amazon where you can get out of print stuff too. Number three, if either of you experienced sexual abuse in your childhood, immediately begin processing the trauma. Find a good therapist. Not all therapists are comfortable in talking about uh, sexual relationships. That's just, that's just a fact. Not all, para- uh, not all therapists have uh, a good, healthy Christian marital perspective on that. Uh, So, you know, in some things, you need to interview the therapist or the counselor you're going to work with before you actually do the work with them. Uh, Number four, husbands, husbands practice taking an affirming and responsive role in the sexual relationship. And he says, start listening to your wife, both emotionally and spiritually. Ask her questions about herself and then listen, listen, listen. Um. He, uh, he quotes suggestions from the pinners of, affirm your wife, let her take the lead, and then respond to her. Proceed slowly, allow her to guide the process, but follow close behind. And be into the sexual process for the pleasure of it, rather than the result of it. And then number five, learn to talk freely as a couple about your sexual feelings. This is a, a, a level of intimacy that combines the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual. It's uh, when it's when things are going well, it's a wonderful, powerful part of uh, a married couple's life. So that is it for today. And in this secret number eight. Uh, so. So. Uh, We will continue next time. Uh, We're getting close to the end of the book. Uh, So next time we will continue on. You have a great one. Take care. God bless.